0: heavy show brought to you by Camp Skin. i'm your host mike valerie and this is my co-host Corey. we're turning into fossil fuels because we're just decomposing with historical data and, and all right look guys look i don't know if anyone's caught on, but i've been telling a story about us getting buried alive and i'm just i'm out of content now like i don't know if i should go through the whole route of decomposing the fossil fuels and i'm going to talk about energy systems and grids and shit but um <laughs> I think I'm just gonna let it die here, but uh, yeah. I don't. I, I think after fossil fuels, I don't want to go through like being used in the Ford F-150 and then being broken down the side of the road. It, I, it's I'm been, gonna let this
1: die. It's been a very underappreciated part of our intros for the past month that nobody's noticed, but but yeah, I think it's time to die. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm gonna let it dry. I, I'll
0: think of a new storyline next time, guys. But nevertheless, we are here today to talk about the portal winners and losers from their perspective. Of the players who stay with their teams. But first, Corey with the news.
1: Yeah, and again, we're reaching that really quiet part of the news cycle. So we are starting to reach for some for some stories here. Uh, I did just want to talk about Nicholas Harbour, who uh is a a freak of a recruit coming in. Uh either gonna play tight end, maybe wide receiver, maybe defensive end. Um 6'5, 225 pounds. He compares pretty favorably to like DK Metcalf athletically, ran like a 200 meter uh uh in in high school as well so we've kind of been wondering if he was going to play offense or defense but he's coming out and kind of saying that he 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 probably wants to play some offense i'm not sure if that's the smartest move from a money perspective but it'll be great for us if we can see him play some tight end or, or maybe wide receiver he's definitely got the athleticism for it so that'll be kind of exciting for him um keeping it here on recruiting news a little bit uh ex-Florida commit Jaden Rashada decommitted from Florida. Um, He's now visiting TCU, which would be a fun offense to go for. Uh, He's also visiting uh, Colorado over there with Deion Sanders. Could be another fun place for him to be. Um, Heading over to some coaching news over here. Alabama has an open uh, offensive corner position with Bill O'Brien heading back to the NFL now. Um, We also have Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh staying with Michigan after realizing that nobody in the NFL wants him anymore. So (laughs) We've also got uh, Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel gets another raise there after another good season in Tennessee. He's really turned around that program. Um, and then we've got Miami offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis, who was just recently fired. Her. Now, I know you follow Miami pretty closely, so I do want to get your thoughts on on how you felt about uh, Gaddis leaving here. It seemed to kind of hinder uh, a once-promising offense a few years ago.
0: Yeah, no, the the wheels fell off. Every single wheel and the spare fell off the car there the last, like, <laughs> five, six games. Uh, it just seemed like the team was not functional with Tyler Van Dyke. But even with Tyler Van Dyke, it was very uh, uninspiring. But the year before Josh Gass showed up, like it, it looked good. I mean, it looked really good the, the last like five or six games. They came in hot, having 300 yards every single game. None of the receivers got like any real draft capital. So you, there was a very good amount of people that thought Van Dyke could have been a top five quarterback this year. And I don't think they blame him. But obviously that ship has sailed. I, I I just love this for all of the. The Miami like players, you know, because I'm I'm in on the wide receiver core. I I thought Brashard Smith took a small step forward. I would have liked to see a lot more, but he is athletically comped to Tyreek Hill. He's got a nice stout build. Uh, he's a player that I was hoping to see take a bigger step. So I'm not out, but man, he definitely got lower to my rankings. And then Colby Young, who erupted. Mid season before Van Dyke was out, like he was killing it, dude. And you know, we love those that alpha size, he had good good athletics, JUCO transfer. Um, it, it's it's it was uninspiring to have Josh Gaddish there. And like Jacareon Brown was just terrible, and and uh, they brought in Jake Garcia for a few snaps too. So, uh, this whole offense, I'm really excited to see who they bring in because this offense didn't change too much. I mean, they lose some guys to the draft, but I mean, the skill position wise it stays the same and they get a healthy Xavier Restrepo and they get Frank Badsten back. So it's, um, I do think it's a stock up for the team as a whole, but I'm actually pretty curious about who they bring in
1: right and I think it's kind of exciting for for some of these pieces yeah and Colby Young very very interesting player at least It was a guy who really exploded during that that four game stretch there where a lot of the other guys were injured kind of kind of faded down the stretch a little bit when the guys got when the other guys got a little bit healthy but also an ex-basketball player um, they've talked about his athletics a lot um, he, he could be a guy who kind of rises maybe in this office maybe a guy like Brashard Smith who's very exciting um, I'm also you know very very hopeful for a guy like Trevante Citizen here again we'll, yeah. we'll probably get into him a little bit more later but a guy who's probably be a winner from this a winner from this whole situation that they never went and and grabbed anybody else um so he's still look at they still have a lot of faith in him clearly he's going to be coming off the acl so we're gonna have to see how that kind of how that kind of works out um if he, if he gets back up to speed pretty quickly and plays there but i'm actually pretty excited about him in this offense kind of excited where they go at offensive coordinator maybe they bring in a run heavy a, a run heavy guy or if they bring in a pass heavy guy maybe we can get start getting excited for someone like Rashard smith who i agree was hopeful he was going to take a bigger step this year. You know, when you look at like his raw numbers, he's kind of been just consistent, right? Like he's not, he's never blowing up for those over a hundred yard games. He's never scoring two touchdowns. You know, he's just been the consistent guy in this offense. And I I do think he has that skill set to potentially take the next step forward and kind of be that exciting guy. And maybe a guy like, like Colby Young could take a step on the outside. But uh, I do worry about Colby a little bit just because when everybody else got healthy, he kind of took a step back again, kind of became like the wide receiver four, wide receiver three in that offense. They were rotating a lot. Hard to really figure out who was the top guy there. But maybe that that ambiguity, I guess, they have going on there does, does bode well for him maybe to gain a, gain a shot heading into the next season.
0: I'm pretty confident that passing offense failed to get over 100 yards like four of the last five games. Something like that's, that, which is just brutal. I mean, that's just ridiculous. But going back to Javante Citizen, he is uh, like a consensus, I'm going to say like site-wide for everybody. He's still a like top five, top six running back for uh, everyone in the class, in his class. Uh, but I do have to say this, and, and me too, but I do have him in my top five. I, I do want to say this. For college running backs, they don't all bounce back from ACLs. It does feel like for the NFL side that every player gets one free ACL. And, like, you know, they'll pop back mm-hmm. and they'll be okay. But for college, you know, we got, like, Marshawn Lloyd didn't really bounce back. Uh, Zamir White was... I think his RB1 for his class by most people, and he had two ACL tears, and now he's a fourth round rookie or fourth round running back. And we'll see what happens there, but I'm not holding my breath. But anyway, I'm, I'm just saying that Trevante is not through the woods, so he really could blow up in someone's face. All right, guys, let's go on to our player profiles, right? And once again, we are only doing 2023 player profiles up until the draft. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about two wide receivers, talking about Zay Flowers and Raheem Jarrett. Now, Zay has been the talk of the town on Twitter. Uh, It's highlight season. Everyone's hitting on the highlights. So they're seeing Zay's quick feet in the open field, Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. So uh, I've seen some pretty insane comparisons to Antonio Brown on Twitter. Uh, Have you even seen that, Corey?
1: yeah i've seen a little bit of it i've seen a lot of people talking about it as well i feel like there's somebody out there that made a comparison to it and everybody's just kind of feeding off of it or something like that but i'm not i'm not sure i see the antonio even as a guy who likes a flowers which i'll get into i'm not sure i see the antonio brown comparisons
0: yeah so I, i i put out a poll last night i just i just wanted to see where the people were at because uh talking about short wide receivers you guys know i do i am a size guy uh, and just historically speaking, like short receivers don't really get drafted uh, so that it's a small sample size. But like it's only really been Marquise Brown and Jalen Waddle from like rounds one through three. And then if you extend it to like the seventh round, then you can throw in T.Y. Hilton and Tyreek Hill. And that's it. Like the last 10 years. That is it as far as the short Kings that I love in. And obviously I'm not counting out Rondell Moore or Wandale, but we're still having to wait and see if those guys pan out. So I put up a poll last night. Of who is the better NFL prospect, Josh Downs? Who, he's he's my wide receiver five. Corey, where do you have Josh Downs? You know,
1: I have him actually at wide receiver five now too. Was my wide receiver four, but I think I gotta just accept the fact that he has some he has some limitations. I think as a my guy, I was putting him up there, but he has he does have some things I am a little bit worried about the next level. But he's locked in at number five for me.
0: Yeah, generally speaking, we do really like Josh Downs' skill set. Now is Dave Flowers, who's being wafted up by some people as being the next Antonio Brown. I just wanted to see where the people thought they were at. And when I woke up this morning to see what the poll was at, there was about 400 votes and it was 55% Josh Downs is the better NFL prospect and 45% Zay Flowers. So really close. I think the poll is separating a little bit right now, but man, I, I just think it's just a little insane to think Zay Flowers is, is this level of prospect. So let's get into it. Zay Flowers is officially as of two days ago 5'9 182 pounds his uh last season here was 78 receptions 1077 yards and 12 touchdowns and i'm just gonna start off here zay flowers to me is a quick twitch separator slot type i mean he's got some of the fastest feet in the class and i love that like that's intangible so you can't you cannot teach that I do think he's got some questionable hands. I can't say he's a body catcher or he's got bad hands because he makes some really insane catches that really demonstrates great body control, great ball tracking. Uh, but then he has some drops that are just kind of leave you scratching your head. Like, I don't understand why this ball like bounced off your chest or fell through your hands. So I, I think he's got some questionable hands. Uh, but again, great, great, great athlete, great quick. Tw- Honestly, I don't know about athletics, but I know in the short area, he's a great athlete. Uh, but what do you think Corey about Zay flowers?
1: Yeah, I think he's been a fun player to watch over the last few years. Um, He put up some pretty good numbers uh, despite dealing with some pretty poor quarterback play. I mean, they had Phil Jerkovic over there. He was getting injured every year. They're, they're, they're bringing in guys who can't even throw the ball. So the fact that he even put up those kind of stats was, was still kind of impressive to me. Um, I do think he's probably one of the more dynamic players in the open field, probably in this entire class, like the way he moves in the open field, like a lot of people can't do that. It, like his make you miss ability is it's pretty special. Like, I mean, you put on any highlights, a lot of guys don't move the way he does it, it. You know, he he kind of brings like that Kadarius Tony part of it. He's smaller, obviously, but he kind of moves like that a little bit where it's kind of exciting to watch him in the open field. Maybe that's part of his hype. And, you know like i said he's a little bit smaller but despite that size this was a guy who who played outside like a ton 65% uh, cu- uh for his career on the outside and played big at big uh, at times too. Like you were saying, a guy who came up with some pretty big freaking catches down the field in traffic and stuff. Um, I do still think that he is more suited for the slot. Like you were saying Um, it's the hands and the play strength that are probably the biggest issues for me. Uh, 10% drop rate for his career Uh, only one year under 10%. So it wasn't just like boom by one bad year. He dropped a bunch. It was pretty consistent that he's kind of had this problem with his hands. Um, I will give him credit for some of those incredible catches, but it's just inconsistent. And that's really the problem kind of strikes me as maybe it's more of a concentration thing. So hopefully that's something that can maybe get fixed at the next level. Maybe it's more proper coaching or whatever. Like, I don't know if I don't think his hands are bad because he makes some of those big time catches, but they're inconsistent. Um, and, and again, he's not going to be a guy who's going to take on contact. He's not going to fight you at the catch point really much a lot with his size, but he's just like a, a, a quicker guy kind of go around you. than through you type of guy. And, you know, I would say even as an avid supporter of flowers, I'm kind of surprised that he's getting like the day one hype right now. You know, there's there's mock Bucky Brooks, uh, from NFL, uh, and, and draft analyst over there. His mock draft just had him at like in the 20s of the first round. That was pretty surprising to me. I s- more expect him to be like a day two type of wide receiver. I wasn't even saying like round three was out of the out of the, the uh his potential, really. I thought that he'd just be like a day two guy, kind of a complimentary player. So the track record of these guys at this size isn't great. So, uh, um, I still think he's going to kind of just be like that complimentary wide receiver on the next level. He's probably going to settle in around like wide receiver eight to 10 for me. You know, I just see some higher upside in like the prospects in front of him. I think he's a fine, good complimentary player. I just don't see him as like a wide receiver one at the next level. Yeah.
0: I, so just, just saying complimentary. you mean he's going to be like a wide receiver two, three for an NFL offense. Like that's what yes, you yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that's his high, that's his upside there.
1: Yeah, like for me, like like one of the comparisons that I almost made a a while back when when Sterling Shepard was good for the Giants was that was kind of like the kind of player that I could see him being somebody who's going to maybe be a PPR machine, maybe be a guy who's going to man down the slot, get a lot of receptions. Sterling Shepard never stayed healthy. He was a great prospect, though. Let's not let's not forget the kind of player it was. And he's played really well when he was healthy. That's the kind of player that I kind of picture for Zay Flowers
0: yeah I, I also want to ask a more question like as a as a like a forty time because we know we know the combine match for draft capital, not really for the player. but do you think you think he's a four four flat type of guy
1: four four flat I don't know maybe four four five four four six four, yeah, four, okay. something yeah, somewhere I'm in, in somewhere in that way. range. I don't think he's a four five guy. like I don't think that he's slow in any at at all, but I think it, it getting below four four or four four, four four flat might be tough for him. Then again, hey, we're seeing some juiced up times, (laughs) though. Yeah, we are.
0: Yeah, we are. Yeah, I thought he was like quick twitch burst. So I think his three cones is going to be excellent. But like as far as like straight line speed, you know, I'm not really seeing uh, a lot of that on his tape personally. So uh, but I I agree with Corey here. I think he's going to be a great complimentary piece. Like that's what to me his upside is like a wide receiver two, three. And as far as fancy goes, that really might not work out unless there's like a lot of volume. And also, talking about fantasy, too, because this is a fantasy show, uh, drops don't really correlate. But like if you're going to be dropping a the ball, then you're going to need some sort of insane volume the way De- Deontay Johnson gets, which covers up his drops. Like No one cares. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. That's how I feel about Zay Flowers as well. I think he's more of a round 3-4 guy. That's that's where I have him projected right now. But, uh, yeah, I think he's a fine player. I just don't think he should be put up on this pedestal
1: the way it is because I like Josh Downs a lot more. Hey those, hey, those rankings you, you posted in the chat, you love Zay Flowers from what <laughs> I remember seeing. <laughs> uh, for anybody who doesn't know, he's been working on a, his grading system and grading the wide receivers, and, and Zay Flowers came out like wide receiver six, was it? In I your, adjusted. I state, adjust, I did, he's, he's adjusted adjust since then,
0: though, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have actually adjusted. So I, I, I have a grading system from last year I liked a lot. My running back grading system, my top three were Bijan. Not Bijan, excuse me. Last year's was Brees, then Kenneth Walker, and then Tyler Algier. So that's worked out. So I, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about my grading system here, but I had Zay pretty high, and I was like, this is a fine spot for Zay. Like, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I you, adjusted you love him. We're, we're getting a tattoo. We're getting a Zay tattoo. <laughs> I readjusted him. He's my wire receiver 11 currently. So, okay. But we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's a fine spot. Uh, all right. Let's go on to our next area. Let's talk about Raheem Jarrett. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett was a, was he a five-star before I go on? Was he a five-star? He was star? a five-star, yeah. yeah. He was Why a five he a Was he wide receiver two or four? He's one. Of those I can't teams.
1: remember exact placement. No, I can't remember the exact I, placement. He was a five-star wide receiver in his class. Uh, Six-foot,
0: 190. This past year, he put up a 40, 471, and three receiving line, and that is without missing a game. He might have missed one, but, you know, played the full season, and that's what he put up. So, hope you feel good about that. Anyway. <laughs> uh rakeem Jarrett is is um i'm just gonna go to my notes here he has every single athletic tool that you in an nfl team would want in a featured versatile asset like i mean he does have uh the physical ability to become like the ys01 for an offense and, and be the star now maryland whether it's maryland's fault or his fault but i'm gonna put the blame on maryland as a coaching program because they they do make Stefan diggs dj moore um, has failed to develop him. He, he just hasn't shown it on tape at all. And his flashes that you do see here and there, I feel like it's once every four games we see a flash of brilliance from him. So it, it doesn't make me feel good about it. It's not like a scheme thing. It's just it's just so far and in between. I, I thought it was interesting that I thought he lacks start-stop ability at the top of his routes. I would see a lot of the times that he would physically run into the, the DB who was like, you know, getting pretty close to him, and then and then they would like hand fight for a little bit, and then he would he would push outward. Now and, and it wasn't planned. Like it was very clear to watch and he didn't plan to fight out the top of his route. It just kind of happened because he just lacks his start stop ability. I thought his acceleration was good. And I also noticed that all three of his touchdowns came from busted coverage, which I just thought was kind <laughs> of hilarious, which is also like one-third of his production for the whole year, if you include all the yards from those touchdowns. Uh, but anyway, Raheem Jarrett every single athletic ability that you want he's got Um, as far as uh, play style goes there's just been I think zero development there Uh, so if an NFL team does take him on it's going to be a project and you're gonna have to ask yourself do I believe an NFL team is going to take on this project because right now I don't but some people do so I don't know Corey what do you think about Raheem? Jared
1: no I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying here was a high Pedigree kid, um, very talented athletically. And then for whatever reason, just never really seemed to put it together uh, here at Maryland. You know, he actually came in like over 200 pounds. He had like a 208. Pounds uh, verified at, at one of the recruitment camps coming into college, so I people were kind of comping him to like that Debo Samuel, uh, DJ Moore type build. Um, but now you know, seeing that he dropped down to 190 or whatever, still not a bad size. But I was kind of looking at him as more of that stout guy or whatever. But you know, very. Eth- Clearly as an athletic guy has some good speed to him. Um, he was schemed a lot of touches as well. They wanted to get the ball in his hands. He he runs out of the slot. Mostly, um, runs those quick outs out of the slot where they just kind of hit him, let him, let him do his thing. Um, he also, uh, ran the ball a little bit or just like those pop passes, like end around stuff like that. They, they essentially just want to get the ball in his hands and let him do some, do some stuff, you know? Um, he really only saw some time on the outside in a year that, that Dante Demas got hurt. And then he still reverted back to the slot again last year, but that was his most productive year. So it's like, you do, I do wonder if maybe like there was something there with playing on the outside, is that better for him? Then maybe he doesn't have the quick feet to kind of operate in the slot. Like they may, they might've hoped. So maybe there's something there also that the whole wide receiver core was injured that year as well. He kind of just became the guy out of clearly just being the, the healthier guy. Right. And, and, Speaking of that, like, t- like talking about him as the guy in this offense, that's one of our main main things with him um, throughout his entire thing. We've talked about it before, but he's never been the guy in this offense. You know, even even the year uh, Dante Demas went down, um, he ended up finishing as a leading receiver that year, but only led the team in receiving two out of the eight games after Demas went down. Like he was never the go-to guy. And then you look at this year, another step back. Maryland kind of took a step back in general on offense this year, but you know finishes with under 500 yards, uh, second on the team. And then this part, like we were just talking about, with Zay Flowers. I mean, you toss on any highlight tape of 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 uh, of Raheem Jarrett, you see a lot of body catches. And there's, there's a high drop rate there, too, higher than Zay Flowers. He's got a 12.3% drop rate over his career. This past year, 16.7%. Like, that's an ugly number um, uh, uh, for a wide receiver in this class. Um, like I was saying, this was a guy that was getting a lot of those Debo Samuel, DJ Moore comparisons, too. I don't think that he's that great of a yak threat. You know what I mean? Like, it, the, only four missed tackles forced this past year, too. Not oh, a guy I actually, super I actually think he
0: shows some good yak ability. I, just, I was about to come in and say that as a positive, so I wasn't down on the guy the whole time.
1: No, I, I didn't. Like you said, I saw a lack of stop-start ability. I don't see him making yeah. a, a lot of guys miss in space. He's got the speed. Like, even on the, the touchdowns you saw, it's here, some of those ones, like you were saying, broken coverage, they were getting the ball to him, and then he was just running through a whole defense. But you never saw nothing like... Like, quick, make a guy miss, uh, juke this way, juke that way. Like, I didn't see that from him personally. So I don't wow. know how dynamic really. he is in space. I thought he was some good
0: grit. Like, he he fought through contact really well as a wide receiver.
1: I don't know if that's going to exactly translate to the next level, though. Are you going to be able to play with that kind of play strength the next level? Maybe. So uh, yeah, maybe the there's book, a yeah. – Maybe I was looking for a different type of yak. I was looking for him to be, with his athleticism, more twitchy, more something like that in space, and I, I felt like I didn't see that. He's just kind of running into guys, maybe a little bit more powerful. So I, I think, obviously, from my, from my summary here, you can tell that I'm pretty low on him right now. Um, I still think he'll probably get drafted on some good pedigree alone, probably going to test fairly well at the combine setting. But to me, there's a lot of questions here in his profile, and he's probably going to end up outside my top 10 in this class.
0: I do currently on my current grading system. I have my wide receiver fourteen. And just, yeah. just for uh, everyone listening here, my process is that I have my nose from in season, which is pretty much what this is. I go through the regrade and then obviously I adjust for senior bowl and combine. So there's like three parts where I regrade is, regrade and then post NFL because I gotta put in the draft capital and the situation. I so I do like a three year snapshot situation grade. Let's go on to our, our uh, main portion of the show here. Let's talk about the winners and losers from uh, the perspective of the players that stayed here. Uh, I do want to say this, though. We're going to be bouncing around a lot. We're going to try to stay structured, go by positional grade, but some of them just kind of flow into other people, too. So we are going to do a little bit of bouncing around. Uh, I do want to say that I'm going to start off with, with with Devin Leary here for UK. Uh I want to say he's a winner because the players that stayed are the UK wide receivers. Like those guys win because they get a quarterback that can pass. Devin Leary, two seasons ago, 3,500 passing yards, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. Kentucky hasn't had a passer like that probably since Tim Couch, which has been, you know, two decades. So uh, when we get our OC back from Liam Cohen, uh, so Leary gets to win because he gets one in NFL OC, he gets the SEC spotlight. And he gets some young pass catchers. Probably the best pass catchers he's ever had so far. Because NC State's pass catchers are pretty they're okay. They're okay. But they're not they're not Barry and Brown and they're not D. <laughs> so uh this is a pretty big stock up for Devin Leary and Kentucky as a whole. Do you have any thoughts on that, Corey?
1: No, I, I think you nailed it. I, think, I definitely think this is the best talent that he's gotten to work with. Kentucky's also known for their pretty strong rushing game as well. Going to keep pressure off of Leary and that passing attack. And I do really want to see if he can bounce back. Because, I mean, I've talked about a little bit on this show that we are, I was a little bit disappointed in the play when he did play last year um it wasn't set up as good as he is at Kentucky I, maybe he can be set up for a better bounce back this year with some of the guys so I think that there is a strong chance to rehab his stock here I don't think round one is really in the cards for him but a day two pick is not out of the question for, for Leary and I just like the I like the consistency that he's probably going to be able to continue with a lot of these young guys that we like in this offense
0: all right let's head on over to Miami now we already talked about Josh Gaddis here again, like I said we're kind of flowing to other topics here, but Tyler van Dyke is a winner. We see Jake Garcia leave to the portal, which is going to order down that QB competition, goes to Missouri. Tyler van Dyke only has to compete against jacaron Brown who who we we saw last year and I, I think we were relatively unimpressed uh, and I don't know about anyone else in that quarterback room. So Tyler van Dyke lives another day as the starter. he gets a new OC. Don't
1: know if that's a win yet, but we can definitely say it's not a loss. So Yeah, no, I I agree that he is kind of a winner here. Jake Garcia never really pushed him too much, but did have moments where he he did look pretty good, was a pretty high pedigree guy himself. Um, I think I think he is a winner here, but I also think that, you know, Jake Garcia potentially going over to Mizzou is maybe could be a good thing for guys like Luther Burden might be a good, uh, might see a rise there. Um, I know Brady Cook, the quarterback over there is dealing with like a torn labrum right now, so it could give him a, a heads up in the spring there. I think um, that that could be pretty exciting over there. So I think there's a couple winners from this situation in general. Um, uh, overall, I do hope that we see kind of a bounce back for Miami. Tyler Van Dyke. I don't know if the round one hype is still going to be there for him anymore. I don't. Th- I no, think he showed us that he's not the type to transcend situations and stuff like that. And those are the type of guys that we generally say if, if it's if it's more of the coaching and, and scheme and system and whatever, then he's probably not the type of guy that's going to end up being in round one. We like to see those guys shine outside of the system. We like to see those guys. Bring up talent that needs to be brought up, or whatever, make guys out of out of their receiving weapons. I don't think Tyler Van Dyke is that guy. Still, could be a nice midday selection or whatever. But I definitely think there's it's a stock up for him and possibly Jake Garcia here uh, going to Mizzou and the pass catchers over there.
0: Yeah, just like just talking about Jake Garcia a little bit more here. Similar to Tyler to not Tyler, excuse me. Similar to Devin Leary, he gets upgraded at pass catchers. Gets Luther Burden. Uh, Dominic Levitt just left, but they get some good guys in there. Uh, but he gets the SEC spotlight, and he gets a place where he can start. I mean, uh, Corey talked about the injuries already on the roster. I want to head on over to Texas Tech. I want to talk about Baron Morton. Now, this is a little bit of a curveball. wasn't on the show. She's here, so I'm really throwing one on Corey here. But uh, we get Donovan. Uh, Donovan Smith leaves, or Donovan. Yeah, i almost said say Donovan Edwards. Donovan Smith leaves to uh Houston. It's just Tyler Show or Shuck, who's like I don't know, 29 or some something crazy like that. And it's Barron Morton, who was a high-level recruit. We saw some of him last year. Uh, less competition in his QB room. We love the Kittley system. We saw, oh, man, he went to the Patriots. Man, what's his name from last year? Oh, Zappi. Yes, thank you. We saw Bailey Zappi get fourth-round draft capital. Uh, we'll wait and see what Austin Reed does. But this is, this is another chance for Baron Morton to win the quarterback position group and obviously have a system that's going to let him throw the ball almost 60 times a game, which is just absolutely crazy.
1: Yeah, and he's, he's a pretty good recruit, a guy that Colin Decker, a uh, co-founder here at, at C2C, has been pretty high on for a long time, um, constantly says that he's the best fit for this offense, and he looked pretty good when he came in sometimes. I remember he made some some off decisions, but he moves around pretty good, um, seemed to do pretty well in this offense, so I kind of like that here too, and I kind of like the other side of it as well with, with Donovan Smith heading over to Houston. I think there's a, a chance for a big bounce back over there with Houston. Just lost Clayton Toon. This guy's a big kid, 6'5", 230 pounds. Had some, had some good hype coming into the season last year didn't really play up to par, I guess. He's kind of a raw guy. He did do some good things. 66% completion percentage. Uh, 12 touchdown passes thrown. He did thro- uh, throw 8 picks as well, so he's going to have to clean some of that stuff up. But I do like Houston as a program, hopping into the Power 5 this year. Uh, going to have weapons like Matthew Golden, a healthy Alton McGaskill as well. Um, they were throwing for a lot of yards over there the past couple of years as well. 4,000 yards. Clayton Tune, I believe hit last year. Something like 40 touchdowns. So it- It's a yeah. good offense over there. So I- Again, a situation where we're getting two winners, I think, from this situation of these two guys finally separating
0: and houston makes a jump from g5 to p5 too so he's going to be able yeah. to have that claim on him to have power five competition anyway i want to talk about some of the losers another guy i'm very personally high on was brady allen uh at purdue i like the jeff Brom system i thought he was a better tools than aiden o'connell who came in better better pedigree just overall a better high prospect coming in Braun leaves i hate that that's a big loss right there for brady allen he hits the portal I get my hopes up, thinking that he's going to follow Jeff Brom with better pass-catching weapons at Louisville, and he comes back. He he goes right back to Purdue. I don't know what happened, but he had clear interest from, from Ole Miss, who we will be talking about later, and from – I actually assume Jeff Brom had to have talked to him at some point in time. But he goes back. That's just a huge loss. They bring in uh, – what was it? The Illinois like offensive coordinator or something like that? Or a run-heavy coach. or No, I think it's a defensive coordinator. Whatever. It's not a system that's going to let Brady Allen show off what tools he has. He also left right before the bowl game. So it's not like he got the flash a little bit in the bowl game showing what he's got. We didn't get to see any of that. So Brady Allen's just a huge loss for me. They bring in Hudson Card from Texas, who was quote unquote in a quarterback battle with Quinn Ewers. Uh, I don't know how much I believed in that quarterback battle, but we did get to see him play and he made some plays. Like he looked good in flashes. So uh, as far as Brady Allen taking the next step, clearly he won't be the starting quarterback next year. Uh, So this is a huge loss for me.
1: Yeah, and you have a whole new staff that really doesn't have – any loyalty towards Brady Allen anymore you know what I mean they want they're going to kind of want their own guys and see what they're they're going to say I will say that he, he will probably have the first crack at the quarterback two spot and we've seen Hudson Card play pretty poorly at times a guy who who's a little bit more of a game manager at times kind of fails to push the ball down the field a little bit more than, than we'd like to see so maybe there's a chance he could get in but like to me definitely a loser here I think that maybe maybe he had hopes that he could follow Braum over to Louisville and potentially yeah. be potentially be the guy over there um maybe that interest will wasn't there i don't know maybe brom did like what he saw over the year or whatever so maybe that interest wasn't there he decided to just kind of revert back maybe they told him some things uh, that would help him come back but but either way i don't i don't know how to look at this as any other way than to stock down for brady on
0: yeah so r.i.p let's go on to tyler <laughs> buckner tyler buckner of notre dame uh did not hit the portal which was kind of a mystery and he was very high in everyone's rankings. Sam Hartman comes in to take over the role. Notre Dame also gets a really high-end four-star out of the recruiting class here. So, I don't know how Buckner fits in. I don't think he's in Notre Dame's long-term plans, like, at all. I think he's really hoping to maybe flash next year, like, as in, like, 2024 season, not the 23 season. So... Uh, Anyway, Sam Harmon comes in. Buckner is clearly relegated and Minshew is the, you know, the future of the program. So maybe he hits the portal in the spring when that window opens up. But I was pretty weird. I think I'm speaking for both of us, but we were confused as why he didn't hit the portal.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a, a ton to add here too, you know, and then when when Bucker finally even got his chance at the beginning of the season, he did not look very good either. You know what I mean? And, he, and even when he got this chance in his last bowl game, which I was surprised with, I didn't even know he was going to play, but he was, he was the same mixed bag. You know what I mean? He was a little bit better, accounted for five touchdowns, two on the ground, which was nice, um, but still turned the ball over three times, completed only 54% of his passes. So this is really the picture that 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 Tyler Buckner paints as as a passer right now there's a lot of work here to be done um he's really exciting with his legs but um I do think this is a guy who could possibly be on the transfer watch come springtime and I I think he could possibly have better luck somewhere else obviously but I'm more now thinking of him as like More of a C 2 C asset with like limited NFL upside because the legs are exciting and we saw that come out a little bit here and there. He has some speed to him and stuff like that, so maybe he'll find success at a at a at a school who emphasizes his rushing ability a little bit more than his passing ability. But if he doesn't clean up his like his ability as a passer, I can't see the transition to the NFL for him going very well.
0: I'm impressed he didn't use the word tools because I would have used tools probably there. Be, yeah. he's got the tools man he's got the tools but yeah, yeah. There's, there's, I, I you still know.
1: I, you know what? he's got the tools as a rusher I still don't know if he's got the tools as a passer though but we'll see yeah all right let's
0: go on to uh what was an emotional roller coaster for MJ Morris of NC State
1: mm-hmm.
0: looks like a winner right I mean he played a little bit he looked good in his his uh his few debuts uh Devin Leary leaves it you're like oh man it's MJ Morris show now then NC State brings in Brendan Armstrong, and they bring in Brandon Armstrong's O.C. from UVA. Well, he went to UVA to Syracuse, back to NC State, gets reunited with his O.C. This pretty much pushes MJ Morris until possibly next year for starting. But, I mean, it is, it is 100% clear he
1: will not be the starting quarterback of this system here. Yeah, I was ready to probably have this guy locked in as like not, not super high, but I was ready to put him in like my top 35 Debbie quarterbacks, you know, when he was playing, you know, he's a little bit skinny, but I did like some of the things I saw from him, Um, you know, through for seven, I think three appearances only started two of them Um, through for seven touchdowns only one interception as well. Um, and, and two of those games as well through three touchdowns and no picks, which is uh, was pretty impressive. Adds a little bit on the ground as well, almost rushed for a hundred yards, added a touchdown rushing. So he kind of had this interesting skill set that I think was kind of exciting. Um, obviously we're going to hope to see more development from him and, and get some size, get a little bit stronger as well, but, yeah, like you said, now we're probably looking at t- towards 2024 for him to even get another shot. And then with this new transfer portal era, like who knows who they end up looking at or, or who they end up getting. You know, Brandon Armstrong kind of had a shaky season, I guess, once he lost his offensive coordinator. Now he's hooking back up with him over here. So maybe we see a bounce back for him as well. Um, I think the only avenue here for MJ Moore is to regain some of that value that he was starting to see is if we get an injury from Armstrong somewhere. Because other than that, it's 2024 a bust for him.
0: Right. Let's go on over to Ole Miss. We came today with Brady Allen there. We're gonna talk about Jackson Dart. Look, they bring in Walker Howard, five star from last year's class, going to LSU. I don't think any of us at the site were too excited for him, but he is a five star QB. And then they also bring in Spencer Sanders on his last year of eligibility. I mean, you have to think promises were made. And they just and uh what's it? Lane Kiffin creates a three-way QB competition for the another year in a row. Luke Altmaier goes. He brings in fresh competition for Jackson Dart. I mean Jackson Dart clear like he doesn't have his confidence. I'm sorry. Like he's bringing in QB competition. He was even talking to Brady Allen too bringing him in too. So this is a huge uh narrative here for Jackson Dart that we're just not sure he's one the starting QB or two the talent that we thought he was coming out of USC.
1: You know, it's clear that just Kiffin wanted to add some competition to this room, right? Maybe he wasn't, he wasn't totally blown away with some of the things we saw with Darden. When I've been looking at the film a little bit, there are some ugly stuff. Like, he's not stepping to throws. He's rushing the passes even without pressure in his face. Like, some of the mechanics look really ugly. You know, I've made this comparison a few times. He's starting to remind me of JT Daniels, was another guy with a lot of arm talent, but everything else is just kind of messy. Um Daniels himself is going on to his fourth team now going over to Rice. And I, I, like, I'm starting to wor- be worried that if this doesn't work out for Dark this year, that we might start seeing a similar fate for him. Um, you know, I, I, like Spencer Sanders himself, he's no slouch. Like this was a guy who was like in, in September, I mean, in C2C leagues, he was like quarterback one through September. And I think he hurt his shoulder and he was never really the same guy after that too, but you know, he's, he's an interesting guy. Adds a little bit on the ground as well, almost 400 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. So a guy coming in in his last year of eligibility, um, I don't know how the, he wasn't at least thinking that he has a, a good chance to compete for this job right out the gate. And I think Walker Howard's probably a move for the future. He's still a young guy that can probably still learn. Maybe we we see him next year or whatever. If Jackson Dart leaves, or if if or if um, after Spencer Sanders is done with his eligibility as well, so maybe he's a he's a play for twenty twenty four as well. But uh, you know, it's it's hard to to say that. Dart has promised anything in this in this situation now, and I I'm, I've dropped him because of it. I'm I'm definitely worried about Dart's hold on this job.
0: I am as well. Let's talk about one guy that I thought was a small loser, but I want to talk about Cam Ward. He's he's still consistently a, a top ten round pick, C to C or Debbie for quarterback. Uh, he's got some really good instincts. He he does really well out of structure. Uh, I know the big knock for him is not being a down the field passer. And, and that's still held true this past year. But I thought that they failed in getting him some sort of dynamic weapons in this offense. Uh, they see Deshaun Stribling leave, who I, I didn't really think was much special anyway. But the fact that they failed to get him somebody I thought was kind of a uh, making Cam Ward a loser. Corey, what were your thoughts on, on Cam Ward here?
1: Yeah, this was a spot that I was watching all off season to see if maybe they were going to bring somebody over there. And to their credit, they brought over some guys. They got um, Josh Kelly from Fresno State, who was kind of rising as a junior uh, before last year getting injured. They also bring uh, Kyle Williams over from uh, UNLV, a guy who's at least been a little bit of a consistent guy. But there's nobody really here like a big time option, right? Like when I was looking here, I was I, like the other day uh, when I was doing the show with um, – with uh, Jared Palmgren on, on, on uh, chasing the Natty. We were talking about some guys who were still in the transfer portal. Tyron Smith was a guy that I was looking at, a, a really fast guy from, from UTEP, a slot guy, that I think would have been a, a really good fit heading over to Washington State. Like we said, Cam Moore doesn't like to push the ball down the field. This is a guy you could get the ball in his hand short, and maybe make a lot of plays, maybe uh, bust it down the field for some big plays. I thought that would have been even a nice link up there, but they really didn't bring anybody in that I'm really excited about. I, I, I just... You know I, he's not being surrounded by by the talent to really sh- improve his abilities at least uh, from my point of view so maybe some of these guys take a step forward i'm not too sure but it would have been really nice to see them get a big time option for him uh heading into the twenty twenty three season
0: let's head on over to some of the running backs here i do want to say the very clear winner here is trey benson a guy that corey and i are both high on we think he's gonna really dr- raise the draft stock up pretty high we get we uh we watch Trayshawn Ward? Trayshawn Ward, yeah. Trayshawn Ward leaves the portal. This this running back room started out as a four-headed monster at the start of the year, and I believe it was the RB2 that leaves. I mean, this leaves a pretty clear Trey Benson as RB1. I believe the other two guys on the roster lack that alpha size. I shouldn't say alpha, but the workhorse size, the way that Trey Benson does have, I think this is just a huge win for Benson because less competition, and then he was the RB2.
1: The other two guys, I'm not really high on myself,
0: but this is this is gonna be Benz's room going into
1: the year. Yeah, very excited for this one. Uh, Room opens up completely for Benson, who really had a breakout last year, kind of really took over this. It felt like it was kind of him for a while. I know Trace Ron Ward, I think, dealt with some injuries as well and was kind of off the field, Um, but he did really seem like that guy. Did really well in advanced metrics, especially on limited touches. You know, crazy efficiency, um, forced missed tackles, breakaway rate, very high ranks in those uh, yards per carry. I mean, PFF gave him a ton of love as well with the way that they grade over there. So he's got the size, he's got a little bit of receiving as well. Like with this opportunity, he has in front of him now like i have no uh worries about locking him in as a top 15 devy running back for me right now yeah his he padded those stats
0: during uh that game against duquette that, yeah which was the be, it,
1: that was the beginning of the year though i mean it was still only like 11 carries or something like that though yeah like, 18 yeah.
0: missed tackles forced against against fcs school. it was insane Can't yeah win. it was insane shout out to austin and duquette anyway yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go on to uh, let's go on to um, JaQuinden. Oh, he's not really a win. We wrote JaQuinden Jackson. I'm I'm just being honest. I wrote down JaQuinden Jackson, thinking Michael Bernard left, but he came back in the portal. Just the fact though that he hit the portal, you know it's his backfield next year. I mean, you should feel good that it's going to be his backfield next year. Tavion Thomas is off the team. Michael Bernard looked for for new avenues, had to come back. I'm not sure if they promised him something or not, but JaQuinden Jackson, very similar to Trey Benson, It's going to be wheels up next season. We see the high level athleticism. Uh, he's been really efficient, but also not showing us a complete skill set, which just blows my mind that he's going to be efficient without even like actually hitting his peak. Like I can look at him. I can see a lot more that he can do to improve his game. So I'm very excited about Quentin Jackson next year. Uh, but And I'm just reading the tea leaves about Micah Bernard leaving for the portal, but coming back.
1: Yeah, you have to wonder if the interest was there for Bernard in the portal. This has kind of always been a complimentary player. This was the guy that a lot of people know by being infamous, I guess, by this point, by completely getting dusted by JSN in the bowl game like two years ago when they had to play him at DB... Um, or at corner, I guess, because of some COVID issues. So he he's coming back. I still think they pigeonhole him like as that pass catching guy or whatever. Um, I think it's fine. He comes back. I think it's probably more of a hit to like Jalen Glover, who who maybe we had a potential hopes as number as a number two guy, maybe behind Jackson. Kind of showed some stuff last year. Was a guy we were kind of high on going into last year, but. Little did we know Jaquinnon Jackson would convert from quarterback and look this good as a running back this early. So I'm still pretty excited for Jackson. Um, I've already noticed that I'm personally taking him a lot earlier in drafts than anyone else, so yeah. I'm worried about the value that I'm starting to put on him. So I, ha- I-, I want to make sure I keep that a- at a bare minimum so that I can still get him pretty early. But right now, he's a top-20 Debbie running back for me.
0: I am up in that Debbie mock draft, and now I don't know who to pick because you took Jaquinnon Jackson. So, I, don't, I don't know who to pick in the seventh round here. Anyway, uh, continue with the losers, but going on into the running backs. Uh, talking about TJ Harden, UCLA freshman. I think he was a low three-star, six foot one, 220, has great size. Uh, he looked like a winner for a little bit. Zach Charbonnet leaves. Roderick Robinson flipped to Georgia. There wasn't really one coming in. And in the 11th hour, they brought in Thor, a.k.a. Carson Steele from Ball State. Similar build, too. But T.J. Harden, end of the year, great. I mean, he had 12 for 90 against Cal and then 11 for 101 and 1 from against Pittsburgh. High efficiency on his limited touch of 7.4 yards to carry. He looked good, and now they brought in Carson Steele. Uh, you got to assume that Carson Steele is the RB1. I mean, that would be the safe assumption. I know I was peddling a little bit last week that this might be a competition. I think it still might be. But there's no way that TJ Harden's taking over this backfield, that's for sure. So what looked like a winner at first has flipped in the uh recent weeks.
1: Yeah, I think Steel kind of lines up as like a perfect Charbonnet replacement. I he's not as dynamic of a mover as Charbonnet. I think Charbonnet is really underappreciated in some of those aspects. I think he does have some good movement skills to him, but um Tjaron was really good at the end of the year too, you know, set, uh, like anytime he went over like 10 carries, he was averaging 7.4 yards per carry in the, in the, uh, in the game before the bowl game, the bowl game over 10 yards per carry in that bowl game, very efficient runner as well, has some toughness to him as well. I don't think he's really that great of a mover as well. I don't think any of these guys really touch Charbonnet in that sense. Um, but I, I think we have to side with steel coming in or whatever. There's a lot of fanfare around it. There's a lot of excitement around it. I don't know how he doesn't walk in, um, as expected guy. I don't think Harden's going to just lie down. I don't know if he can push to, to make it more of a split or something like that, but I'm definitely siding with Steele this early on.
0: 100% I'm with you on that. Corey, let's head on over to uh, Kamara Whedon. I just wanted to bring this up. I, I mean, he was a five-star running back. I know there was some off-field stuff and, and people saying he's not motivated for football, uh, but I do want to just say SMU continues to bring in running back talent into that room. And they're all guys that at some point in time have been a topic of discussion. They bring in Jalen Knighton from Miami, who I I thought was very poor running down the middle. But regardless, this room just keeps on getting more and more filled with talent of, of varying levels that it just makes you feel not good about anybody here. Uh, I don't think either one of us were holding our hopes out for Kamar Whedon, but I feel like this uh, puts a nail in the coffin with his lack of play this season as well.
1: Yeah, and then they had another high pedigree washout and L.J. Washington or Washington, L.J. Johnson from from Texas A and M as well, I believe, went over there. I I, I think I got that right, anyways. But right, I, yeah. It, it, yeah, he's not really promising anything either. I guess we already saw it with Kamara Wheaton, but I I don't think that Kamara Wheaton did anything to really solidify a take on a, a role next year either. I mean, he only went over 100 yards once. It was against South Florida, so it wasn't even that that exciting of a thing. Didn't really show any skills outside of that or anything else. Now they're just adding a whole bunch more bodies to this room. Um, these guys have some legit skill. and I, I mean, I know you're talking about Jalen Knight. you not really a very, very great runner, but he's a good – complimentary back and catch the ball a lot. Maybe something like Ulysses Bentley was for this team a long time ago. I don't know if he can kind of reach those lofty goals because Bentley was pretty good for them a while back. But either way, it's a lot of bodies here. And like you said, it's a a nail in the coffin. It's it's RIP to to Kamar Wheaton, who I don't think a lot of people are holding out hope for very much anymore anyways.
0: Let's talk about the real topic of discussion for running back losers here. We're going to talk about Cal running back Jaden Ott. Wasn't high in any of our rankings going into the season. I really part. I personally didn't even look at him as a recruit. I'm gonna be honest with you. So he wasn't even in my rankings at all. Uh, comes out, looks great. They bring in Byron Cardwell, who me and you have both talked about throughout the season, and then they also bring in Justin Williams Thomas, uh, a high end recruit from last year's class who didn't get on the field for Tennessee. I mean, if they thought Jaden Ott was enough. I don't think they would be bringing in this high end talent like this. So just like Jackson Dart, like they're bringing in other guys who have some point or another have been headlines of news for their prospective teams being being a potential superstar. And and now they're bringing in competition. So J- this is a big stock down for Jay. Now, I, I've dropped my rankings. He was I want to say like an RV 11, 12 area for me. I think I moved him down to like the upper 20s. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I don't, I don't know. Promises had to have been made to these recruits coming in. I mean, they had to be made because Tom, Justin Williams was going to Stanford and then he flipped his commitment to, uh, to Cal. Anyway, Corey, how, how are you navigating this, this uh, situation here?
1: Yeah, I've dropped Jaden Ott a little bit too. Uh, that's exactly where I put him is a little bit deeper into my 20s as well, closer to 30 there. Um, and, uh, you know, I look at the situation and like, yeah, we were pretty excited about Jaden Ott a little bit over his freshman season, but he was kind of an inefficient rusher, right? He struggled against some of the better competition, really only had the one game where he blew up against Arizona as a rusher anyways, where he went for almost 300 yards, but he barely hit 60 yards rushing in, in any other game. His Best asset comes as a pass catcher, I think, which, which scares me because that I think with bringing in these other guys, maybe they want to pigeonhole him into possibly being a complimentary pass catcher. Um, and some of these guys playing a little bit more on early downs have a little bit better size to him. So it has maybe lower aught for now until we just kind of see how things shake out here. I don't want to go crazy drastic and lower him a lot more. There was a lot of great things I did in this season, especially from a guy that we didn't expect to get there. But, but yeah, he's, I think he's like RB 28 for me right now until we kind of see things play play out this spring
0: I just want to continue with the discussion about about Cal in general because if they lose Jack Plummer who was a Purdue player goes back to Louisville gets reunited with Jeff Brom I think that's a a stock off for Jack Plummer I don't believe him as a Debbie asset but he put up 3,000 yards and 21 touchdowns this past year with what I thought was pretty atrocious offensive line play by Cal in general uh and now he goes to reunite with his coach from Purdue so good for jack Plummer, but we don't know the identity of this team because there's no quarterback uh, My j michael sturdivant leaves goes to ucla uh which goes on to my next winner here for wide receivers is jeremiah hunter who i don't think is talked about enough uh he opted out of 2020 but he's been productive 21 and 22 he was in and out of the number one wide receiver for the pac-12 obviously that that title goes to Dorian singer now but he's just underrated as a talent because everyone wants to talk about j michael sturdivant But Jeremiah Hunter was the leading receiver 10 out of 12 games this year. And his, in his, one of his best games against Oregon, he put up, I think he put up 100 yards and a touchdown while being defended by Gonzalez. He wasn't by Gonzo, like the the top five corner coming into this this NFL draft class. Mm -hmm. So he is a player that has been successful against future NFL corners, but like he's all, he's come up big in some tough competitions too. So I, I think this is a, a stock up because now it's going to be 100% the wide receiver one. There's no one question about it. But at the same time, we don't know who the quarterback is. So maybe it's just a net neutral.
1: Yeah, and he is kind of a – there's there's some underrated aspects to it. And this was kind of the same thing that I had with, with Sturdivant too was that he was just – underrated being over there because they don't get enough attention at Cal. And I will say with Sturdivant, you know, he's a little bit younger right now in his profile as well. So that was one of the things that maybe leaned towards him a little bit, kind of broke out a little bit earlier than Jeremiah Hunter. Again, if you think about years out of high school, only his second year at high school is almost putting up 750 yards or and and nine touchdowns or something like that, where Jeremiah Hunter kind of took till this year, which was his third year um, to kind of really blow up in this offense. But I, I mean, he almost went over a thousand yards this year. He's got good size. I think he's 6'2", 200 and something pounds. So this is a guy with a lot of good, uh, good things going for him as well. But like you said, the quarterback is really the biggest question here with with Plummer leaving. I mean, they bring in Sam Jackson from, from TCU, a a freshman who had some buzz last year. Um, I still don't know about him as a passer, but he's more, more uh talked about for his dual threat ability, a guy who rushes a little bit. So I think it still remains to be seen how he kind of fits into here. And then they got a bunch of guys who are just no-name guys that I honestly know nothing about. So we're really gonna have to see how the quarterback room plays out to see what kind of value we get from these wide receivers. But with Sturdevont moving on and nobody else really here stepping up, like it's it's hard not to say Jeremiah Hunter's a winner from all of this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh let's let's stick with the pack 12. I want to talk about Ted McMillan as a potential winner here. Dorian Singer leaves. He goes to USC. Dorian Singer and Ted McMillan, to me, have a very similar skill set, but just different physical size. So I, I guess I think what I'm saying here is that I think Ted McMillan might be a 1,000-yard receiver next year. Mm. I, I like It might be very possible. And you and me keep debating in our heads where we want to put him in our rankings because ultra-productive, which we love. But what is his play style? Is it an NFL play style? Uh, but we're getting th- – I think it's going to be another thing. We're going to see some sort of insane production for him next year. Me and you are going to be too late. Like, let's say if he actually is going to be like a stud, me and you are already too late on it.
1: Yeah, and it would have been nice to see Cowling move on too, which is, I think it was kind of weird that he came back because I feel like he did what he wanted to do, going from UTEP, powered up to the Power 5 in Arizona, played well, and then he comes back again. So that tells me probably the NFL maybe didn't like didn't favor him too well anyways, when he was maybe getting those reports. But, but anyways, I still think Tets lined up for a nice role here. I think he does have maybe a 1000 yard future, um, uh, for himself here this year. Um, we have talked about how we're kind of lower on him for being the contested catch specialist, maybe a red zone threat a little bit, but I do, I am eager to watch him. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm okay yeah. ranking him a little bit lower right now. I want to see if he can take, this is a comp- comparison that a lot of the guys in the recruiting team has made is, I want to see if he can take those steps like Drake London took, because earlier in, his, in Drake London's career, that was a lot of things that we were saying was, he just seemed like a big contested catch guy, wasn't a very fluid mover, but then as the years went on and he got to play outside again in, in his final year, I saw a lot better foot movement from him. I saw a lot better agility from him. I saw him be able to use his size properly on the routes, the advantage he wanted to, gain separation that I wanted to see. Drake London ended up becoming a top three wide receiver for me in that class. Was I a little bit late on it because I wasn't loving him before? Maybe. Maybe a, we we got to think about the way we're thinking about this here because there's some good opportunity here. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm just eager to see if he can take those same steps forward that Drake London took because then like, he's going to maybe hop into that top 15 range. He's going like top 15 right now, and some guys are like – like our top 15 wide receivers, not top 15 overall, but top in the top 15 wide receivers of Debbie drafts that we're doing right now. So love, there's a lot of people out there that like him. So maybe he can make us uh make us or prove us wrong this year.
0: Yeah, he might. And I brought up Dorian Singer. Let's just go on right over to our, our loser here. Let's talk about Brendan Rice. Uh I constantly talk about how USC lacks size. Brendan Rice looked fantastic his last game of the year. I mean, I think you could have safely assumed Dorian Singer going to USC. That the outside position was going to be his locked up. I think this is gonna be a competition now. And uh Brendan Rice, who was the starting wide receiver there and in flashed at times, but like nothing like this. I mean, he went he went nuclear that, that bowl game. So uh the exposition is now up for grabs. It will be a competition between Dorian and Brendan Rice. And the real question is can Brendan Rice keep that level of play that he showed at the bowl game and it wasn't just a fluke.
1: Yeah, I think he'll make it a competition at least. I think i will walk in and make it a competition. Um, I do think it's just a very unsettled room right now, I guess, if you, if you look at it right. I know um, with how Mario Williams played, I don't think he really did anything crazy there. Um, you still got guys like Todd Washington around as well, who played pretty well at times. Um, and then they're bringing in Singer. They've got some high pedigree freshmen coming in. So I think that it is a long shot to bet on Rice. but. I was still targeting him near the end of drafts, right? I mean, because this is Jerry Rice's kid. He's got good size. Uh, He's going to be playing with Caleb Williams. He's one of the only size guys in this group. Showed out when they needed somebody else to step up, you know. Um, But, you know, they bring in Singer. It's got to be a little bit of a hurt to his chances. Like, I just don't know how this, this room shakes out. So if you go with, like, two guys on the outside, like, you got Singer and maybe rice on the outside and then maybe what Mari Williams is, is the slot guy or something, or, or our, Dar- our singer and Brendan rice going to be fighting over one role and they're going to put Tosh Washington on the outside. So it's like, that's why a lot of it feels unsettled to me to really know how these things are going to, are going to play out. I think we're going to have to wait till spring to kind of see how it's going to play out. But I think if you're betting on a guy, Brandon rice is probably the last guy that people are going to be betting on in this group uh, heading into 2023.
0: Jerry Pomegranate, the uh, host of chasing the natty uh, find him on Twitter at cff underscore jared. Uh, he he put out a poll talking about who, which what USC we're going to take next year. Mm-hmm, like, I remember uh, this, yeah. yeah, I've I've voted for Taj Washington. I'm Like this guy is the one that stepped up when uh, Addison was out, and he he consistently was stepping up. It was the least mm-hmm. popular vote, which was pretty wild to me. But it, it was a fun poll if you guys want to go see what the results look like because it it was a uh, no one knows. I mean, it's clearly everyone was all over the board, but um. My choice was the least popular out of everyone's. But anyway, uh, going on to our next loser here, I want to talk about Isaiah Nayor from uh, Texas, right? We were excited about Big Body Boundary Guy. He was hyper-efficient at Wyoming. Transfers to ten- te- Tennessee, excuse me, to Texas. Uh, there was rumors that he worthy 1B. And then in the spring game, it actually looked exactly like that, how Nayor was hyper-targeted compared to Worthy. And he looked great. I mean, I was super hyped. He was, I want to say, in my top 30, top 40 DEVY receivers for sure. Terrence Nacio in the summer. Now they bring in another size guy from Georgia. A.D. Mitchell is a much better athlete than uh, Isaiah Nyor. And I'm I'm making this super simple. I'm really simplifying this. But uh, I'm going to take the Georgia... Tall athlete versus the Wyoming tall athlete. So I, I mean, and making without without
1: the ACL tear. So this is going to be a huge stock down for Isaiah and nayor Yeah, and apparently there's some pretty good uh, NIL money here too for Ad Mitchell, which you know uh, pretty much says what the, the the plans they have for him, right? And Texas was kind of dying for another option on the outside to step up beside Worthy, you know, because he has his issues down the field as well catching the ball. We've talked about it quite a bit. Um I think another guy that could, another thing that it could hurt here is is the recruits coming in with with, with uh, Jonte Cook and DeAndre Moore. Um, I'm still hoping that they could get on the field and hopefully break some of those year one thresholds. But it definitely adds like kind of a wrinkle to the plans, you know, where we thought some of these guys could possibly step in on the outside right away um, and, and maybe turn some heads, or maybe you know, I think there's still some some possibility, or at least there's there's some rumors there that Xavier heads out. Um, there, there was some rumors of it. It seems to have settled down now, so I don't know what's going to happen in the spring. He'd end up being a later transfer at this point. I don't know if that's what he wants for himself, but it's hard not to think of the biggest loser as being Nayar. You know, it's hard to bet on the older G5 guy coming off a torn ACL to be a major player in this, in this, in this uh, wide receiver core now.
0: Absolutely. Corey, that's going to be doing it for our show here. Did you want to talk about anyone else that you, you thought that I might've missed on the show sheet?
1: Uh, no, you know, I do think, um, you know, if if we want to talk about winners, I do think the Notre Dame wide receivers are, might be winning here. I'm not sure which ones are going to step up, but you know, you got Sam Hartman coming in, routinely a 4,000 yard passer, uh, 40 touchdown type of guy, going to bring some stability to this offense. Maybe we see Lorenzo climb. Maybe we see Tobias Merriweather kind of break out a, a little bit. Maybe maybe we see some of these young guys, like the three. The, I think they got three freshmen coming in that are pretty pretty highly ranked. A great house, uh, a is our favorite right now. Maybe it can help them break some of those year one thresholds that we want. You know with a competent passer at the helm. So I think it's wheels up for Notre Dame's offense for wide receivers. And I also just wanted to mention that um, I think that Penn State wide receiver room um before bringing in these guys or whatever is kind of a loss a little bit you know o- Amari yeah. Evans and Caden Saunders left back there or whatever two guys that were ranked pretty highly um you have to wonder what they're thinking of them Penn State didn't even really get any recruits at wide receiver this year either which is kind of pointing to maybe there's a problem there with recruitment or whatever but um they go and hit the portal to then and they had a lot of interest in the portal they were like Dante Thornton was uh, a main target for them some other guys were targets for them they had Devin Carter um at one point, then he went somewhere else. They bring in Malik McLean. They bring in um, Dante Cephas from Kent State as well. So it's not it's not painting a nice picture for what's going on behind the scenes if they continue to look. But I will say, with Drew Aller coming, maybe they can open up the offense a little bit more. Maybe the passing uh, draws in some other talent. Maybe their recruits start hitting again. I'm I'm, I'm not willing to say this is a problem yet. It's just a weird two year trend for them where where none of these wide receivers are really doing much right now and they're really not getting any in their recruiting cycle either.
0: Yeah, they definitely have some internal development issues for sure. I'm with you on that. But uh, guys, that that does it for our show today. Again, if you guys like our show, please go like and review our show. That really helps us out. If you don't like the show, just just wait until next week and we'll, and we'll talk about it after that. All right, but wait, wait one more week. And guys, as always, please join us next week. We're still going to be doing episodes here. That gives, that's it for us tonight. Good night and good luck.